Well, we are in John chapter 8 again this week. We're going to finish up John chapter 8 with some important conversation Jesus is having with some folks who are who initially said they believed in Jesus but who ultimately turned away from faith in him. And I think Jesus' conversation with these people points us to some answers to the one of the more painful questions that Christians confront, which is, why don't people believe in Jesus? You know, it seems obvious to us who believe in Jesus that Christ is the one who gives new life, and rejecting Christ results in judgment and in death and in hell. And besides that, isn't it just obvious that Jesus is the Son of God who died on the cross to save sinners and was raised from the dead to give them new life? Isn't, aren't those things just obvious? Well, that's how we feel. So why don't people believe in Jesus? I want to look at what, John, what Jesus himself has to say in John chapter 8. So as you make your way there, uh, let me recap. Jesus is in the middle of this conversation with people who initially said they believed in him. But Jesus has been confronting them with the fact that their faith needs to go deeper than what it has. Uh, They can't rely on the fact that they have descent from Abraham to set them free from sin. They're going to have to truly become Jesus' disciples and believe in him to the extent that they abide in his word. That's the word Jesus uses. To abide means to have your life shaped by it, to live in it, to walk in obedience to Jesus, to become a true disciple. Any kind of faith in Jesus that does not change your life isn't the real thing, is Jesus' point. And if you, and if you don't have that kind of faith, then you aren't really a child of Abraham, whatever your genetic test may say. And as you can imagine, that teaching from Jesus to these people who value their religious identity and their godly heritage and their DNA above all sets off a controversy and a firestorm with them. So let me pray for us and then let me uh, read some of God's word here for us. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it speaks to us as clearly as it did to people thousands of years ago of who you are and what the gospel is and what you require of those who will follow after you. Father, help us to embrace and to understand and to take joy in and to live by your word, by your Holy Spirit's power. In Jesus' name, amen. They answered him, this is beginning verse 39, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who told you the truth that I heard from God. And this is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works that your father did. And they said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. 
Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason you do not hear them is that you are not of God. There are three major reasons we're going to see in this text for why people reject Jesus. And this is the first one, that they're not really born of God. As we look at these verses, that is Jesus' major point. Being born of God requires abiding faith in Jesus. It requires hearing his word in the sense of being obedient to his teaching and if you don't have that kind of faith you will remain a child but not a child of God a child of the devil because there are only two options in Jesus mind is that strong yeah that's what uh, my dad growing up he would have called that telling it with the bark on okay (laughs) that you're either a child of God or you're a child of Satan. And there isn't a third choice. There is no third choice. Do 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 his questioners, the people he's in conversation with, receive that rebuke and say, well, thank you, Jesus, for pointing out that I'm a child of the devil. No, they don't receive that. Instead, what they do is they argue and start defending themselves against Jesus convicting words first they insist well no we really are children of Abraham and Jesus immediately shoots that argument down by telling them they don't do the same kinds of things that Abraham did instead they're seeking to kill him he says look Abraham always obeyed those who spoke to him from God But you all don't. And so somebody else must be your father. Next, they protest that they haven't been born of sexual immorality, but have God as their father. Now, this one, I think, is a little bit barbed. I think they're making a point. Because, you know, the rumors about Jesus was that Jesus' mama was not married officially, to her to his father when they got married i mean whenever they had jesus that they were not married when the baby came right is that true yes they were not married when the baby came but was joseph the father no who was the father that she said god So what they're doing is kind of making a jab at Jesus. They're saying, hey, man, we've heard the rumors about you. We were not born of sexual immorality, uh, hashtag, like you were, right? We weren't weren't born in the same way that you were of sexual immorality. We really do have God as our Father. Ouch. Ouch. 
And since you think ancestry matters, let's just, let me just remind you of where we all stand here in terms of descent there, Jesus. It's a little bit rich for you to say that God is not our Father when it's obvious that you were born in a questionable way. Jesus says this, If God were your Father, you would love me because He sent me. I'm not here in of my own will. I'm here in obedience to God's will. Now look at verse 43. Why do you not understand what I'm saying, Jesus says. It's a rhetorical question, but he's making an important point. It's not that Jesus' words are hard to understand. Nothing that he is telling them is something that they don't have the capacity to comprehend. Nothing complicated about his outward speech. They can't hear because, verse 43 says, you cannot bear my word. In other words, it's not that you can't understand, it's that you refuse to listen. It's like the kid, any of y'all ever had kids who did this when you try to give them instruction? They go, no, 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 no. I can't hear you, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. What was the problem? It wasn't with the communication that they were receiving, right? It was with their refusal to listen. In fact, Jesus underlines that in, in verse 40, 45, he says, because I tell you the truth, you don't believe me. In other words, you, don't, you reject what I'm saying, not in spite of the fact that it's the truth, but because it's the truth, and you don't want to embrace it. Why is that? Well, because you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do what he wants. He was a murderer from the beginning. Why is Jesus bringing that up? Because these guys want to kill him. They want to put him to death. What would that make them? Murderers. And by the way, when you're talking about how, G how, how Satan was a murderer from the beginning, how does that work? Well, you remember... What did God tell Adam and Eve would happen if they ate the fruit that he told them not to eat? They would die. What did Satan come in and tell Eve? You won't die. He lied in order to put them to death. And not just them, but every single descendant from them from the garden on. So Satan has always been, Jesus says, a liar and a murderer, and you are just like him. You want to do what he has always done. And you don't believe me for one simple reason, that you are not born of God. By the way, the same thing is true today. People reject Jesus because they would rather do what their father, the devil, wants than to put their faith in Jesus. They love sin. They like to imitate Satan in their rebellion because they have not been born of God. 
If people hear that and repent, sometimes, sometimes, you know, sometimes people hear the rebuke from the Scripture and they repent and believe. But what's, what's just happened if that happens? They've now been born of God. But if you haven't been born of God, your only other choice is to continue imitating the ways of the devil. You know, if you don't believe the truth, then what's your only other option? To embrace the lie. It's your only other option. Because there is truth and there is error. And if you will not embrace the truth, then you are going to live in the lie. In one way or another. These folks here and repent? No. In fact, they continued to defend themselves. This time it ramps up by and they start heaping personal abuse on Jesus. Look at look at verses forty eight to fifty one here. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? And Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one that seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The idea that Jesus was a Samaritan is something, is an accusation that's repeated in every single one of the Gospels. Because the idea that a Jewish man would be calling into question the paternity of Jews makes them so angry that they have concluded the only way that that's possible is if you're a Samaritan. Or maybe, in other words, that you're not really a Jew. Or maybe you're demonic. Maybe you have, maybe you're demon-possessed, and that's why you're saying these things to us. That escalated quickly, right? <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's what you call that, right? You're a Samaritan and demon-possessed. Hmm. Jesus says no. He says, look, my teaching is not the fruit of arrogance, it's not the fruit of insanity. It's not the fruit of being a Samaritan. It's not the fruit of demonic influence. Instead, by refusing to respond to me in faith, you're here, you dishonor me. And therefore, you also dishonor God the Father because where did Jesus come from? He was sent from God the Father to save them. And they have rejected Him and therefore they dishonor God. And Jesus says, look, I don't care about your approval. I care about God's approval because he is ultimately the one who judges. And I know how he will judge me, and I know how he will judge you. And he says, he makes an appeal, which is amazing. These words are amazing. You've got to memorize these if you haven't. If you're looking for scripture to memorize, this is a good one. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Is that a glorious promise or what? 
He who keeps my word. What's keep his word? It's equivalent to the word abide in the word. Uh, back in verse 31. It's the idea of this. To keep his word is to believe it. To cling to it. To obey it. To live by it. To be transformed by Jesus' word. If you do that, then you will never see death. In other words, you receive a kind of life that physical death cannot extinguish. The life of the kingdom of God. Eternal life. When you come to the end of your physical life, you know, I, I think sometimes we picture this, right? That what we're going to do is our heart is going to stop beating, our brain waves are going to quit firing. Some of, that's, some of that has happened to some of us already, right? <laughs> brain waves quit firing at least as regularly as they used to, right? But we're, that's all going to happen, and then we're going to, like, be dead for a second. And then, and then eventually... Maybe a few seconds later, we're going to enter in to God's presence, right? That's not the picture Jesus paints here. He, he, he is talking about how you are not really going to die. Well, it's true that your body will eventually stop working unless Jesus comes and gets us before then. Your body will eventually stop working, but you are not going to experience death in the same way as an unbeliever. It would be like if we had those doors over there on the side wide open, and you walk through the open doorway. At what point are you through the door? Well, hard to tell exactly, right? But you continue living. You do not die. You continue living the entire way through. Now there's a transformation that's taken place somewhere in there, but you have never died. That's what he's talking about. That if you are someone who abides in the word of the Lord Jesus, that you will never die. You will never die. Now, when your body dies, it will fall to the ground and it will be buried and one day raised. But you will be with the Lord. Until the day when the resurrection of the body comes and your spirit is rejoined with your body and you are fully transformed and live with the Lord forever in the new heavens and the new earth. But you will never Die if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. It's an amazing promise. But the people gathered around Jesus are not among the people who will experience that. Why not? Because they are still dead in their sins and have not received that new life yet. Because the only way to get it is by embracing Jesus. Look at verse 52 to 58 with me. The Jews said to him, Now we know you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets, yet you say if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died. What do you, who do you make yourself out to be? 
Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is our God. But you have not known Him. I know Him. If I were to say I do not know Him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know Him, and I keep His word. Your father Abraham rejoiced he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. This is an amazing passage. It's got lots of really amazing stuff in it. I just want to point out some things. Jesus' hearers are growing increasingly hostile, and they now say, look, we're convinced now that you're demon-possessed because you are saying things that only God can say. To which Jesus might reply, yes! Finally you get it! (laughs) Right? (laughs) He says, wait a minute, hang on, let's do the math here, Jesus. Abraham died, exactly. And the prophets all died, exactly. You're not greater than they are, are you? And their question, the way it's written in the, in the, in the underlying Greek in this text, implies a negative answer, right? So it's like when, guys, when, you, when, when, you're, when you're about to leave for work and you're, you're, you think you're street legal, but you pass by your wife and she says, you're not wearing that to work, are you? And you go, if you've been married a while, you've got smart on this, and you say, no, of course not, <laughs> right? Right? It's the, it's the question that implies a negative answer, right? Or, do these pants make my rear end look big? No, <laughs> right? It implies a negative answer. It's this kind of a question. And they're, they're, they're assuming the answer is no. And Jesus is telling them, no, the answer is yes. It is. I am greater than Abraham. I am greater than all of the prophets. Why? Because I am And when he says that, he is referring them back to Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, when God speaks out of the bush to Moses and and tells them, what is your, Moses says, what is your name? And God speaks from the flaming fire and says, I am. Jesus is claiming identity with that being. He is saying, I am the same being who spoke to Moses out of the flames of fire. I am the one who sent Abraham into the land. I am the one who put his spirit in the mouth of the prophets. I am greater than all of these people. He says, I know the Father. In fact, for me to claim that I don't know the Father is to make me a liar. I can't make that claim because I know the Father. He's the one who sent me. And the Father is going to glorify me. And they cannot 
put any of this together. They say, you're not even 50 years old. How can you say these things? They think he is a, a demon-possessed blasphemer. And by the way, if Jesus is lying, they're exactly right. If Jesus is lying, they're exactly right. A man cannot say the kind of things that Jesus says in these verses and be sane and spiritually healthy and telling the truth unless he is the I am. And that's what Jesus says about himself. They don't believe what he says because they don't really know God. And so instead of bowing down before him in worship, which would, by the way, have been the right response, they start picking up rocks to throw at him and put him to death because that was the punishment for blasphemy that you would be put to death. They should have seen him as Messiah and rejoiced. But they didn't. Now, I know this text is a hard passage. There's lots of dialogue back and forth and lots of arguing and um, mutual harsh evaluations, right? Jesus is as truthful. Theirs is not. There are three things I want you to see, three, three questions I want you to, to draw your attention to out of this passage. First one is the title of your message. Why do people reject Jesus? A lot of reasons, at least three major ones in this text. They reject him, first of all, because they haven't been born of God. If you're going to embrace Jesus God is going to have to do a work in your life and give you new birth. And these people have not been born of God, at least not at this point. Secondly, they're still dead in their sins. And third, they don't really know God. They think they do. But they don't really know Him. They think that, these folks think that the right ancestry or a godly heritage will somehow impart to them spiritual life as if, as if spiritual life can be passed down father to son like brown hair or the ability to roll your tongue. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. God has only children. Amen? He has no grandkids. You either come to faith for yourself or you don't come at all. It can't be passed down to you because your great-great-grandfather was Charles Spurgeon or you know, my great-uncle was a Methodist preacher or something like that, right? It can't be passed down. You have to know God yourself. And an end to spiritual blindness requires seeing the obvious truth that Jesus is who He claims to be and then wholeheartedly embracing Him. Dedicating your life to Him. Putting your trust in Him. Following Him. 
in his way of life and in his teaching. By the way, if you've never done that today, I hope you will respond to a very simple invitation to put your trust in Jesus Christ. If you do not know where you would go if you died today, and you might. You never know. I had, I had coffee this week with a guy who had a heart attack in September, and he had a heart attack severe enough that only 6% of the people with that kind of heart attack survive. He said, I was there, and then I was out, and three days went by, and I woke up, and they said, hi, welcome to OSF Hospital, you've had a heart attack. What day is it? It's Saturday. What? These things can happen. You really can die in an instant and stand before God. And if you have not settled accounts with Him, if you have not come to peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ, today is the day. Today, Scripture says, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. But turn to Jesus Christ in faith. He is offering everyone who will come to Him in repentance and faith eternal life of living in peace with God as a righteous person before Him for all eternity. If you will turn from sin and toward the Lord and embrace Him. He died on the cross for your sins and was raised from the dead. You can have eternal life. It's yours for the asking if you will put your trust in Jesus Christ. Second major thing I want, to see, want you to see in this text is who is Jesus? And Jesus is as clear as crystal in this text who He is. He says, I am the I am. I am the creator and the giver of life who existed from eternity past, who became incarnate through Mary, that He might live among us and save us from sin and death. That's who He is. That's who He wants to be seen as in this text because that's who He is. Last question, what will happen if we recognize Jesus' identity and keep His word? We will never die. We will never die. Years ago, the, the uh, filmmaker Woody Allen said, I'm not afraid of death. I just don't want to be there when it happens. Right? And guess what? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're not going to be there when it happens. Because although your body will die, you will not. You will instead be transported immediately without any gap between this life and the presence of God. You will never see death. You will never see it. Eternal life is something you possess already if you're a believer in Jesus Christ 
and it continues all the way into eternity. How long does eternity last? Yeah, let me quote Buzz Lightyear for you, okay? To infinity and beyond, right? Yeah. It's like my daughter has a t-shirt that says, my password is the last eight digits of pi, right? Some of you get that. It's an it's a infinitely repeating number, right? <laughs> you can't get to the last eight digits. How long is eternity? It's forever. How long is that? Well, count off a million years from now, and that is this much of eternity. It's forever. It never ends. You will always be with the Lord. It's a magnificent promise. And we want to celebrate that uh, as we pray, and uh, then we want to sing together uh, to the Lord in, in joy for what He's done for us. So let's, let's pray. God, our Heavenly Father, we thank You that all those who, faith, who embrace faith in Jesus Christ will never see death. That we will have been born of God, we will have received a new birth, we'll have uh, cleansing from sin, we'll be set free. And Father, one day, whenever the end of this life happens, we'll be immediately in your presence. Because we have, are among those who not through our goodness, but through your grace, abide in the words of Jesus and have come to know you as a result. Father, we thank you for that. I do pray that if there's anyone here who's never come to faith in Christ, that they would do so today, that today would be the day of salvation for them, and that they would not allow another moment to pass before doing business with you putting their trust in Jesus Christ who died to give them new life and who was raised that they might have the certainty that the promise is real. Father, may we all rejoice in the reality that we will never see death because we have embraced the I Am who came for us. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.